0: the extra pack of peanuts travel podcast episode two zero zero britain is the only country in the world which doesn't have its name on its postage stamps and it's also illegal to put a british stamp upside down Today's show is sponsored by our good friends over at Tortuga Backpacks. And whether you are heading to Iran or you're heading anywhere else in the world, you need a good travel backpack. And the Tortuga Backpack is the one that I always take with me. So if you're interested in finding a great travel backpack that's carry-on size, head on over to TortugaBackpacks.com. And don't forget to use the promo code EPOP. That's E-P-O-P, all capital letters, because that will get you 10% off your entire order. One, two.
1: I'll so show you parents
0: Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and today's episode is part two of my interview with Leon McCarran, British adventurer and filmmaker. And if you're just tuning in and you missed part one of this interview, you're going to want to go over and check that out. Because in part one, Leon talks about what he's been up to in the last year and a half and 150 episodes since we last talked. And it is a lot of cool stuff that he's been doing. He also talks about how he managed to make adventurer A job title, his two biggest adventures traveling through Patagonia and Iran, and also the difference between his perception and the reality of iran so you want to check that out part one of my interview you can get that at extra pack of peanuts dot com slash pods you can also get that on itunes on stitcher and on Jabbercast. so however you're listening to this episode you can also find part one and if you want to find every episode that we've ever produced all 190 plus episodes remember you can go to extra pack of peanuts dot com slash pods that will have all the episodes as well as all the show notes but right now, let's hop into part two of my interview with Leon McCarran. I remember one of you sent me the Kickstarter. like, check this out. You know, I'm like, okay. You know, they're going through Iran and then boom, you're walking through knee-deep snow and I'm thinking, did, did I click the wrong link? Like, is this a different adventure? You know, is that something you knew was going to happen? And, and talk about that a little bit because... That was visually shocking to me when I first saw it.
1: Yeah, it's it's cool, right? I'm I'm glad that you had that experience. Um, I got to say, we almost did a little bit as well when we got there. I mean, that's that's the beauty of a country like Iran is that it's huge, and a lot of people don't really appreciate quite how big it is. And I certainly didn't until I went there. But it's it's enormous, and it's and because of that, it's it's really diverse as well. So you know, you you've got you've got all these different climates and environments and uh, the geography of it changes so much, as do the people we went in the spring, which meant that the once we got into the high mountains in the southwest yeah it was we were really high up you know we were um we were thousands of meters up we were, i think we were started at like three and a half thousand meters um and that's i don 't know what that is in feet but it's it's high and, yeah, and it ten
0: thousand feet roughly yeah,
1: yeah, and so the the peaks above us were four and a half thousand meters and the temperature was was really really cold you know well well below freezing and um and you just don't think of that you think of a lot of people and me included before i went there to think of iran as you know it's the middle east it's desert it's that's that's what i assumed it
0: was of course yeah
1: and it has that for sure a lot of it is desert and and looks like that and it's kind of arid but it's also got these crazy mountains that look more like the alps or the rockies And that was cool. And and one of the lovely things about our journey was that it took us from these high snowy mountains. And we followed this river, which started out as a trickle, just literally a little spring from the ground. And we followed it down through the mountains uh, into these kind of fertile uh, mountains and then down onto the plains and people were growing crops and the river was growing and it, it got bigger and bigger and it became used for industry and it got to like half a kilometer, a kilometer wide. And then we got down to the the Persian Gulf and that is practically desert again. And the temperature was super high, super hot. And um, our river turned into this international border with Iraq on the far side. And, you know, the difference that five weeks makes in a journey like that is it's a world away.
0: So that's that's how long the journey was then uh, from start to finish was five weeks.
1: Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things about it is that relatively it's, Quite short, you know. It's a it's a long (laughs) it's a long time to be away on a journey like this. But when you when you think of people making living from adventure and expeditions, there's kind of an impression that you've got to be away for you know months and years. And the fact that we could go to Iran for five weeks and have and I I still maintain it's probably the most fun adventure I've ever been on, and also the craziest and most unpredictable. Um, And to have all of that in just over a month, and also to have it all for an individual cost of probably like $1,200. And that's including flights and on the ground costs and everything. It's so inexpensive. You know, that's a that starts to work out like a pretty good deal.
0: I, I didn't plan on talking about this, but let's talk about the cost a little bit because that's that's pretty amazing. Is Iran just a... And again, this is coming from someone and I, I purposely didn't watch a film because I didn't want to know anything about it before other than the trailer and what I thought going in, which I think is important because that's what most people going in are are going to be like. They have whatever their concep- misconceptions or ideas are of Iran the cost, I kind of assumed that it wouldn't be that cheap. Like maybe it wouldn't be super expensive if you're not in the middle of Paris, you know, but it's a relatively cheap country then.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's amazingly cheap and one of the things I like to do with the, the journeys I make is to to share the stories that I find with people uh, so that they can enjoy them uh, and and kind of engage them that way, but also to use these journeys to, to try and encourage that travel, you know, and I'm, I'm preaching the, to the converted here, I know, but to encourage that travel is a lot simpler than a lot of people think and a lot less expensive. And a lot of those barriers are, you know, quite easily broken down. And so a journey to Iran is the tricky thing is visas, specifically for Americans and Canadians. Um, at the minute, it's not possible to get a tourist visa to travel independently as an American, you've got to sign up As part of a tour group, but that I think that'll change um, because of how the the relationship is starting to thaw between uh, the countries. Um, It's also currently that way for UK citizens. It's kind of fluctuated and it's gone back around, so that you can't travel independently. Um, And that's just kind of a slightly annoying bureaucratic rule that's been imposed. When we went, obviously, British citizens could travel freely, so it was just simply a case of applying, paying a fee, getting a visa and buying a flight that, you know, a return flight from London to Tehran cost like 300 bucks. Um, and once you're there, it's uh, currently it's not connected up to the financial systems of the world. So it's like this little financial island, which means that your Visa card or like your American Express isn't going to work. You can swipe it everywhere you like, but you're, you're not going to be able to use it. So you have to go into it. It's like going you know, back a few years, you've got to go in to the country with the amount of cash that you're going to use for that journey, um, which requires some advanced planning. And that's not something I've got used to doing. Um, I've got used to winging it, you know, and if something goes wrong, you just get yourself to the nearest town and, you know, go to a cash machine, take some money out and you're sorted. In Iran, you've got to be prepared for it. But we took, for the for the five weeks, because Tom had been there before, because we'd done a little bit of research, we knew that $500 each should cover us for five weeks of travel and in the end we came back with like a couple hundred bucks still in our pocket wow
0: that that's that's incredible now i i want to know if the rumors are true that the uk uh you can't independently travel as a uk citizen because there's two guys who went through and kept getting caught by the police filming is that are the rumors (laughs) true with that (laughs) With the preparation, because going into a trip like this, I mean, and I didn't even know about the money thing. And that's that's a whole ordeal and fiasco on its own. Like, hey, I have to figure out how much money I'm going to have. And you'd rather have too much than run out, of course. How much preparation in total went into a trip like this? You know, obviously, it's an adventure trip. So... You would assume that there'd be more planning, but you guys also have done something like this before. So maybe there is, hey, we're going to take it as it comes. So if you could talk a little bit about about what you do to prepare, I guess, for this one in general, because this is something that you went from knee-deep snow to to basically the desert. So that has its own set of challenges then with the weather.
1: Yeah, I think with all these things, it's important to set out and be very clear of what your goal is, at least conceptually. And once you know what it is that you want to treat, achieve from a journey, then it's very easy to know what's important and what isn't important to you. Uh, and so if it's simply just to travel and experience a place, then your specific itinerary and and how things actually go when you're there don't necessarily matter too much. And that you know opens up that leaves things a lot more flexible once you get there. And it doesn't matter if something gets cancelled or you miss a bus or a train or whatever it is. Um, if you definitely want to go to a country and see one particular thing, yeah, you've got to plan it so that you know you'll definitely make it to see that thing that, that you've been dreaming of. And for us, our goal was simply to experience Iran, to try and follow, to try our best to follow this river, and um, to use a few different methods of human power transport if we could and depending on what felt most appropriate – but simply to use that as an excuse to experience Iran and to try and represent that to people, and so because of that we we planned as as much as we could, but we couldn't plan very much. It's hard to get advanced information when you're going into the remote Iranian mountains um, so we hard to,
0: hard to believe, hard to believe yeah,
1: yeah I know right um, so we we were pretty happy to just turn up and, and see what happened uh, the The thing that I always do on these type of journeys is try and research the stuff that might be dangerous. If, if you got to a position where the worst that's going to happen is something goes slightly wrong and you have to come home early um, or, you know, you've missed some of your transport or you don't quite make it the journey you wanted to make it, that's okay. That's, that's like an acceptable loss. What you don't want to end up is getting yourself into a situation where you're going to get arrested or, you know, with us trying to paddle down this river that we were going to fall out of our boats and something crazy was going to happen. So I, I try and just manage the potentially dangerous aspects of it. And, f- and for this trip, it was simply researching um, what was and wasn't appropriate to point a camera at in public. And, you know, it's it's a conservative society. So you, you generally, you don't want to film anyone without their permission. That's probably quite a good rule for most places particularly, though, in Iran and, and most Islamic countries, not to film women, and that's quite important. And, uh, you know, very happy to try and um, stick to that because it's very important to be culturally sensitive when you go anywhere. Uh, but also not to... Particular things to Iran We're not to try and film government buildings or take pictures of government buildings or policemen. That's the sort of thing that can get you arrested. So just to, to have my head around that and also to, you know, know what I was comfortable with in a boat when I was paddling um, so that if I looked at a bit of the river and it looked more dangerous than I was willing to do, I wouldn't force myself to do it and end up in a hairy situation.
0: So those were the two biggest safety issues then on this trip was the, all right, let's not get thrown in jail by, yeah, pointing a camera at everyone and running around filming everything. And then when we get on the river, Let's not be super macho. If I don't want to do it, I'm going to find out a way to get around it some other way.
1: Yeah, because both of those things, if we'd done them, would have been pretty stupid. You know, it would have been totally self inflicted if anything had gone wrong because we didn't obey our own rules. And that's often quite a good, you know, a good rule of thumb for traveling is set yourself those parameters within which you're willing to operate. And if you step outside them, you know, you're kind of asking for trouble and, and travel is is an inherently unpredictable thing and, and there's so many unknowns and 99.999% of the time they're good but you have to be wary that occasionally things might go wrong and you might end up in the wrong part of town where there's a chance of getting robbed or whatever but you you kind of manage those as best you can and, and, and hope for the best. So, yeah, we set ourselves these rules and try to be sensible. How
0: does filming change the trip because now, you know, when you're taking like the first time you did the bike trip, you know, maybe you thought I might write a book about this, but you weren't filming. So when you were taking the trip, it was just to do the adventure. And now, you know, you're doing the adventure, but there is that other component of, all right, well, we're going to try to capture this. And I found even with my own travel, stuff has definitely changed when you're going to write about it, when you're going to podcast about it, when you're going to film video about it, you just you attack it in a different way, and I, I'm not sure whether one is better or worse. But how did it cha- like? How does it change the adventures for you? Because you guys are then saying, "All right, we're going to put on a, a feature length film here." I mean, that is no easy feat in its own right, let alone trying to do the adventure, you know, finish it without getting put in jail or falling into the river, all that kind of stuff. But you're also then going to film enough stuff to to then boil it down to what you guys have now, which is almost an hour long film. So. How has that worked out and what's that kind of dynamic like?
1: Yeah, it's it's a really you know, that's kind of right at the heart of the issue. And I think again it comes down to what your goals are for the travel that you're doing. And I I love the idea now that it's so much easier to make adventure films than it ever has been before because cameras are affordable and they're small and you know, travel's more affordable and and we can go exciting places and film stuff. But a lot of the time, the worst thing someone can do on their dream holiday is try and film it, um, because you just you you take yourself right out of that experience and you view it through a lens. and And filmmaking is it, it's kind of a you know it's, it's kind of an art form. It's it's like any creative endeavor; you've got to have a structure around it. And if you just film little bits and pieces of cool stuff um, once in a while you you might be able to put together a little youtube video of of kind of highlights and and if that's just what you want to create that's brilliant but if you want to try and tell a story that that you're going to you know show to bigger audiences or try to take to festivals or whatever um it becomes a kind of full-time thing and it can be really stressful and it's one of the constant battles i think that i have and i'm sure you have it as well with with the travel that you do that you you feel like you never quite travel in the same way that you did before you started trying to share it. Um, it's just not quite the same, right? It,
0: yeah, because then, you know, there are times too where you miss moments, like you're not filming and there's an awesome moment and you think, oh, I should have filmed that. But you can't really go back and recreate it. And if you try it, it's probably not going to work. And then you think, like, "You're." I find it this way. I'm upset that I didn't get on film instead of being... Super happy that it just happened. Be, you know, because obviously I didn't expect that because we weren't set up to film, we weren't thinking about filming it. It happens, and you're like, man, that would have been great. And I can't imagine trying to put it together into a feature length film. Like, so did your story arc, I mean, did you go in th- knowing what the story was going to be? And obviously, you didn't know how it was going to, like, all the pieces of it, but did you have an idea of what the story was going to be? Or was it like halfway through? You thought, okay, no, this is really what the story is going to be.
1: I think once you've once you've committed to making a film about a journey, it's got to be your priority the whole way through. So we we that was our baseline. The the, the reason that we were in Iran was to make a film, and you know the fact that we could experience it personally was cool. But uh, we probably you know we we might not have made the trip if, if we weren't shooting. So. Uh That made things simpler, and we had a i guess we had three versions of the story. we had this story that we wanted to tell before we went there, our kind of ideal dream world story. Then we got there and everything went crazy and went wrong and uh changed completely like a hundred percent and We had that story of what actually happened and then we came back and you know raised this money and started working with the footage and working with an editor and looked at everything and realized that actually there was a whole other story told in what we'd captured. You know, based on how much of what had happened was captured and where there were gaps and what we'd seen that we hadn't really like put into perspective at the time and that sort of thing. And so then the story begins to tell itself, and you find um, that kind of uh, connection between those three between the concept you wanted to tell at the beginning and what happened and what you got, and and you just work endlessly, kind of m- moving those things around until uh, something good comes out of it.
0: And and is the main theme then? And this is what it seems like from the trailer. The main theme is is talking about what what we've kind of talked about. Where it's Iran, you have these misconceptions, like you think one thing, and it's completely different from probably what you think. Is that is that kind of the overarching umbrella story that's being told? With then, of course, the mishaps that that obviously happened during the trip, adding as as entertaining it bits and pieces.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably a good description. Um I I I hope that because it's such a it's kind of a crazy ride the whole journey. Um and I hope that that just makes it a super entertaining 52 minutes or or whatever it is. It's it's really easy to watch and and that's that's kind of nice and and you know that that was just by virtue of the fact that it was such a fun trip and it made it easy for us to film that but I would like that other message to come out and we're, we're not trying to portray Iran as this kind of paradise there are a lot of things that we didn't like about it and those are included too and you know it's important to be three-dimensional about these things and and not to you know not to kind of paint the picture of what you know a kind of easy sell of like oh this is the friendliest country in the world everyone should go because it's not quite as simple as that Um, and
0: good luck going now that uh now that Leon and Tom have gone and no one can get visas to go through
1: (laughs) How we've canceled all the visas <laughs> um, yeah so it's it's kind of a that's that's what we really want people to come away with um, probably that's the primary message the secondary message I would hope that comes out of it is just the accessibility of travel you know if ever there was a film that shows that you don't need to be clever uh, you don't need to be talented you don't need to have any common sense you don't need to have any sense you don't need to have much money, and you can still. Travel and have a, a really cool experience, I think this is probably it, so I hope, I hope that 's encouraging to people
0: well, that is right up the alley of probably ninety five percent of the listeners here, um, especially the no sense part I think and what I thought was really neat too, and with the filming, and I guess this this probably helps is that you know you took your solo journey acro- across America in the road headed west in, in your book. And obviously, you met people and rode with them and things like that, but it was it started off as just you, and that was the plan. And, and you're the only one who did the whole thing. you know Now, since then, you've, you've gone with Alistair Humphreys, you know you've gone with Tom on two of these trips, as you mentioned, and we'll, we'll touch on this at the very end. You have another uh, really cool project coming up that I want you to tell people about, but you're going to go with another guy named Dave Cornthwaite, who's been on the show, So all three of those guys have been on the show, you've been on the show. You've now traveled with a partner. For most of these adventures, is that something is that a coincidence? Is it just easier because you're filming or is, or do you prefer that over the the solo adventure type thing
1: yeah it's the constant uh, question isn't it for travel travelers is whether to go alone or whether to go for company and there's there's no kind of easy answer to it. both have their pros and cons and I think generally you you have a more you have a better experience on your own I mean, not a better experience you have a more um in depth experience a lot of the time you are because you're more vulnerable and more open to everything and you know it all rests on your shoulders, all the good, all the bad everything comes back to you and for a rite of passage journey certainly and first travels and uh, really meaningful travels, I think solo travel is really powerful in that respect. I did a lot of that and got really tired of my own company <laughs> um you know, I'd spent plenty of time with myself. I was kind of ready for someone else to uh, join in. And I I think as well, once I kind of made that transition from enjoying travel as something I did in my spare time to try to make travel and adventure also part of my every other aspect of my life, then I needed to find the, the most efficient ways to tell those stories. And it's so much easier with someone else, both filming wise. Um, it's easier to have someone else to help with that side of it, but just experientially it it helps. It, it you know, you you kind of have a, a better access route into conversations. There's two of you, it takes the pressure off and, and so generally I think although I still like to go off on my own for little periods of time, I like to do these long trips with someone else.
0: And then what goes in then to Picking a partner because you've had, you know, a multiple uh, a multitude of partners now, and and you did two trips back to back with Tom, and um, i I don't want to speak for either of you. Maybe you're ready to do another one together, and maybe you're like, all right, two's enough. Let's let's do, go our separate for right now, you know. Because I I agree with you. I think the solo travel and, and having been someone who hasn't done much solo travel personally, um, and has, has mostly done it with my wife Heather, and then and then friends here and there. I think it is something that I that I long to do and will probably do at some point because I still want that coming of age or rite of passage which seems odd as someone who's now like 33 and has traveled a lot but it's it's just a different experience but it is nice to travel with someone else. So how do you pick someone like you know if someone's going to go about something like this you know what do you look for in a partner? Do you just say like hey, I get along with this person in general? Let's go for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's, that's not far off. It's perhaps a little generous to, to suggest that I would actually have an opportunity to pick someone because there's not necessarily a whole bunch of people that want to do these things. You know, if you say, Hey, do you want to, do you want to take like anything from six weeks to three months of unpaid leave and come do some miserable expedition that's going to result in loads of blisters and lack of sleep and, you know, sleeping in a cold mountain, um, you, the amount of people who are going to say yes is probably pretty slim.
0: Right. So the crazies find the crazies just by a necessity, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So we all kind of hang out and share ideas. And I've been really lucky. I uh, I feel like every journey I've done, I've learned so much from the people I've done it with. And and that's, that's just really nice uh, as, you know, I, I'm quite a big believer in earning your stripes with the things that you're doing and, and developing and trying to get better at the, the skills that you value. Um, and so I've learned so much about expedition planning as well as the creative side of filmmaking, writing, blogging, and, and creating a career around all this sort of stuff through the people that I've um, gone on these trips with. And now the, the next trip I'm doing with, with Dave is really cool because... Dave and I have been friends for uh probably like four or five years now. Um, or at least we've known each other for four or five years and kind of got to know each other little bits more and more in between other journeys that we were doing. And we've been talking about doing something together for such a long time. And this this year just worked out. We had similar space free and um there was an idea that came up and uh, and we we managed to kind of book it in before anything else took over and uh, we head off in wow in like two weeks
0: (laughs) yeah talk about that real quick because we'll get back to karoon because i want to ask you one more question with that but what is i'm intrigued as well because i just saw it on your website earlier today and i'm like i'm not going to read all about it but you have another your next biggest adventure and it's with dave cointhwaite who's been on here what what is it that you guys are doing
1: so i've i've grown really attached to the Middle East um, through a couple of journeys that I've made there and, you know, the Iran journey being one of those. I've started learning Arabic. I'm still very, very bad at it but, you know, I'm kind of uh, starting to learn it. I, I'm I'm here right now talking to you from the Middle East and I'm trying to base myself out here a lot more now and I just love it and I really want to try and get to understand it a bit more and but it's, it's as a general region, it's, it's also misunderstood, you know, and um, there's a lot of conflict, a lot of sadness, a lot of... Um, really complex geopolitics going on here. And similarly to the Iran film and the, the aims behind that, I want to travel through some of the most well-known parts of the Middle East um, and just, again, show a different side of it, show the positivity, show the hope, show the humanity, and and to just have a, a good adventure. So the trip with Dave is very simple. It's a It's a walk. Walking's just really nice to get to know people, it walk us a thousand miles. Um, that's a good distance. You know, you get to know a lot of people in a thousand miles. And it's through the heart of the Middle East. And we're going to be, you know, roughly around the area of the Dead Sea. And we leave in two weeks. It'll take about three months to do it.
0: Wow. And on most of these trips, one thing that we didn't touch upon, and, and with Karun and this other one that you're going to be doing, do you generally just camp, right? Like you bring a tent with you and you're usually camping for the most part, correct?
1: So that's the goal. I try and camp as much as I can. Uh, occasionally, in, in a lot of these places, it's, it's very cheap. It can be like 2 or $3 to get a little hotel room or a little guest house, and that's kind of nice once in a while to get a shower. So that will so be the, the goal. But uh, Karun was the best example I've ever had of this because out of the something nights we spent on that trip, we planned to camp every single night, and we camped once. We camped the first night, and that was it. That's the
0: part in the trailer, so I guess I just assumed you camped every night. Now i got to watch the whole thing.
1: We tried to make it look as if we did, but (laughs) Um, yeah, we camped that first night, and I think maybe two or three nights we stayed in a cheap hotel somewhere. A couple of nights we stayed with uh, a friend of Tom's in a city called Esfahan. Every other night on the trip, and that's upwards of 30, we were taken in by people um, who just couldn't bear the idea that we were going to sleep outside in a little bit of nylon. Um, so they insisted that we would come in and, and that also usually came with an offer of dinner and breakfast the next morning. And it's amazing. You know, it, it's what a run that was like 30 something free invitations to come for dinner.
0: Yeah. No wonder you guys left, uh, Iran with some money in your pocket, right? You just have to have some charm and hopefully get lucky.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, it's it's probably the only trip I've done where I put on weight at the end of it. <laughs> like, <laughs> You normally come back starving from these things and desperate to have a good meal. I came back from it thinking, I need to go on a diet.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. That, I think, right there, that little soundbite speaks to why you believe Iran is the, the friendliest country in the world. I mean, you know, 30-some nights where you're taken into a complete stranger's house, fed and, yeah, taken care of like as if you were a VIP guest. So, Leon, the question that we usually end most podcasts with and that that everyone really enjoys is the question about the biggest travel mishap. And I know that you've probably had tons of different travel mishaps, even some that you talked about on the previous episode that we released. But I want to specifically talk about this trip with Karun. And was there something that happened during this trip that just is something that will stick in your mind forever as like, I cannot believe we end up in this situation or I can't believe I did this or that, that really kind of speaks to the essence of travel.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think on this trip, there was probably more options than most to answer that question with. But uh, there was one that was just kind of totally out of, in a totally different league of mishaps. Um, And it actually turns up in the trailer to the film The thing I was most nervous about was the paddling or one of the two things I was most nervous about. And my biggest fear was what happens if I fall out of this boat, right? Like in one of these remote river gorges, what happens? And I find out because I fell out of my boat in one of those remote river gorges. And the thing that you're meant to do as a paddler is hold on to your paddle. That's rule number one. And the first thing I did was let go of my paddle and that disappeared. So I find myself (laughs) down this River without a paddle, no idea what to do next. That was when Iran just took over and um, the hospitality took over. We met the most amazing characters Mm -hmm. you can imagine. And it actually links into another story that I've already talked about. So I'll let people watch it and find out for themselves. But suffice to say, from being in just about the worst scenario, bar actually not getting out of the river (laughs) that I could possibly imagine we ended up having the best couple of days with food and new friends and this whole crazy adventure with these people that we met.
0: Well, so you said it earlier that there was two things that, that you couldn't do or two things that were the biggest dangers on this trip, and that was you know getting thrown in prison for filming and falling into the river. So we don't want to spoil everything, but
1: one of them happened. Did the other happen? I'm pretty happy to say it didn't. We never ended up in prison, although we did end up in a lot of police stations. And so, we managed to we managed to get both of the things wrong that we didn't really want to get wrong, but um, we came out alive and we came home, and that's the important thing.
0: Yeah, and that and that's what makes the adventure. And I'm super excited to actually go and watch the film now. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. You know, sixteen. 16- months later, once again, inspiring me especially. And I know others out there to just go for it, no matter how crazy that dream adventure seems to be or or how difficult it is to just get out there and say, I'm going to do this and go for it. And Karoon, so when people are listening to this, Karoon will have just been released on Monday, November 16th, if you're listening to this right when it comes out. And I want to ask how people can find it, especially. And you are also doing a really cool thing with screenings and kind of getting the film out to people who then want to spread it even further to their friend groups or their community. So can you touch on how people can find the movie and also then if they're interested in doing a screening and what that kind of entails?
1: Sure, yeah. So the movie's out um, November 16th and anyone can watch it, anyone can download it from the website, which is caroonfilm.com. And K-A-R-U-N that's like the hub for everything and when you watch the movie there's a bunch of deleted scenes and director's commentaries and you know all these fun things that are uh, that we just had a really good time putting together. The screenings idea is something I'm really excited about because we made this because we want people to see it right and because we want to kind of spread this message about Iran and in order to facilitate that we're we want people to actively host screenings in their community and that doesn't mean you need to own a cinema or, you know, run some kind of big events company. It just means if you have a, a community hall or a church or a bar or, a you know, just a big old living room area, you can you can organize a screening and have a few people around and set it up. And we will facilitate that for free. We'll give you a copy of the film. We'll give you everything you need um, if you can encourage other people to come and see it. So we're, we're – we're open to all suggestions. You can contact us through the website and let us know what you're planning and we'll be happy to help.
0: And the screenings, they can also find out at KaroonFilm.com. That's where they'll go. And there's, I think there's a tab at the top, is there not, that says host a screening or something similar to that?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll also be able to use that to promote the screens as well that, that anyone wants to organize. So uh, yeah, that website's the hub for everything and, and we hope it takes off.
0: Yeah. And if you guys can't remember that, if you're listening on your phones or anything like that, remember, you can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods, P-O-D-S. That is where all the show notes for all of our shows live. So you can click on this episode. Um, the show notes there, and that will then... We're actually going to do something where we're going to embed the trailer onto that page as well. So if you forget everything, even though Karuna is probably easier than Extra Pack of Peanuts, K-A-R-U-N, if you forget that, go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods, get the show notes. Everything we talked about will be linked there. And there'll also be the trailer embedded there, the, the one and a half minute trailer, so you can check that out. And Leon, I am super excited personally... Because as I mentioned, I only wanted to watch the trailer before getting on this interview. I cannot wait to actually now go and watch the entire movie. So I'm super excited, and I think that I will be trying to be holding uh, try to hold a screening here in Philadelphia. So we'll have to touch base on that as well.
1: Awesome, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I listen. I hope after all this that you enjoy it.
0: <laughs> I I'm sure that I will. And guys, I. I would highly, highly recommend checking out Karun. You can go to karunfilm.com. You can also go to leonmccarron.com. And that's going to link up, of course, all the projects that he does, all the amazing stuff, The Road, Head to West, the first book, and now this film. Amazing, amazing stuff. I want to give a shout out to our wonderful sponsors for this episode, Tortuga Backpacks. And guys, don't forget, if you haven't already, and you're interested in learning more about the podcast we put out, as well as all the posts that we write and things like that, you can hop on our email newsletter list. All you have to do is text the word peanuts, P-E-A-N-U-T-S. Heather always makes fun of me, Leon, for spelling it out, but it's just habit now. So text peanuts to the number 33444. That will get you on the email list. You're going to get our completely free four video series on how we always get the cheapest airfare and things like that. Leon, thank you once again for coming in.
1: It's always, always good fun. Um, I hope we can do it again a little bit uh, shorter than sixteen months next time.
0: Yeah, well, now every time you have an adventure, I mean, it seems like you're just going to be making films about all your adventures. We'll just have you come on and talk about the newest adventure. And uh, you average, what, one every four or five months? So, yeah, we'll just make it a recurring segment here.
1: I'll catch you in March.
0: <laughs> Sounds awesome. Thank you, guys, everyone, for tuning in again today. Thanks for all the continued support, as always, and for making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And until next time, happy free travels.
1: Oh.